He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here every week, as I am with the delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelidis. Hi, Alex. Hi, everyone. So what's on your mind today? Well, I am very glad you asked because... What? <laughs> In the spirit of the holiday season, I thought it would be fun to turn the tables on you. So we've compiled some questions that we have wanted to ask you for a very long time. And I've asked Siri and Sam from our office to join us. No, in the spirit of the holiday season. Uh, well, ho, ho, ho. What can I say? <laughs> Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! And so, without further ado, please welcome to the show, direct from Balada Entertainment, Operations Manager and Coordinators, Sam Sabaha and Siri Khan. Hi, Sam and Siri. Hi, hi. Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I feel Thank like I'm going to, I feel like I'm about to be bamboozled. <laughs> How hot is your seat right now? Very. <laughs> we'll go easy on you. We oh, have waited you. for this moment. I'll have you really. Hmm. Remember payback say, beep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are you going to try to do? Stump me, make me uh, look like a bonehead. My word of the day, by the way. Is your word of the day. No, no. We want to glean from you your wisdom and font of knowledge to share and impart with the public. Oh, God, really, really, really. Okay, really. (laughs) And if I can't answer something, so be it. Yeah, then then we'll just, D'Angelo and I've already worked out a little bonehead sound segment. So don't worry about it. We'll do it for you. (laughs) Okay. 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 But um, all right. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So this is it, though. If that's um, I'm thinking if that's what we're doing today, then um, then at least allow me to uh, ask a few questions of my own so that the audience can get to know Siri and Sam a little bit better. And, uh, you know, we can all get to know them a little bit better. Is that OK? Is that fair before I start taking questions? Is that work I, for you all? I, I think that's fair. Judge Judy says yes. Oh, yeah, that that sounds about right. Yep. Okay, good. Okay, that works. So, uh, all right, in the spirit of getting to know Siri and Sam better, I think that, uh, well, you know what that means, right, Alex? I know what that means. Ten quick questions. Ten quick questions? Yeah! All right. Sam and Siri will go back and forth. We will start with you, Siri. What is the most memorable? By the way, Alex, the clock starts two Ooh, minutes. Yes. I forgot. The clock That's starts. Right. Siri, oh, no. gotta, you got to answer fast. Quick, got to answer fast. What is the most memorable live concert, show, or festival you've ever experienced? Uh, going to see Gautier in Los Angeles. I skipped school with my best friend. Uh, in high school and we drove up there and there was a guy who was very elderly dancing in the aisles. Was it the exhibit? I have to ask, was it the the, the museum exhibit? No, was- no. He so it was uh Gautier is like a drummer who was very popular in 2012. Uh, okay. uh Australian, I believe. Uh the cool. somebody that I used to know guy. Cool. Okay. Very cool. good one. And obscure. Okay, Sammy. 
Sammy, what do you love most about what you do? The unpredictability of things. Every day is a challenge. Every day is something new. New clients, new artists, new events, new challenges. It's never a dull day. Oh, that's good to know that you enjoy that. We'll keep that going for you. Okay. <laughs> oh, All you right, just Sammy. Just... Can I change my answer? No. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> okay, Sammy, when was the last time you tried something new? Yesterday. Okay, Siri, when, when's the last time you tried something new? Yesterday, I think. Okay, so now just quickly, what did you do, Siri? I tried a, a new cold medication. <laughs> okay. And Sammy? Uh, garlic cheese bread. Oh. And it was, it was okay as per my wife and my mother-in-law. So I don't know if it was a pat on the back or it was more of a consolation prize that you tried. Okay. Okay, so like you it. made it. I made it. Okay. Okay. Because okay. you don't eat cheese. That's why I'm asking. Oh no, I, I didn't make it for myself. That's why I was super nervous. But I, I got a, I got a nod. So okay, you got a pat on the back. The nod yes. of approval. Right. Exactly. There we go. We'll ask Joy later. Okay, Siri. What are reindeer games? Uh, reindeer games evolve a lot of balls uh, in terms of like the large ones that horses kick around, and it's like soccer except it's on either side of the pen and they're shaped like ornaments it's really fun wow that was Sammy, good i'm not going to ask you that no but i am going to ask you what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about the holiday season hmm. gifts okay pick one sammy nutcracker ballet or christmas pageant Pageant, Christmas pageant. Siri, Nutcracker Ballet or Christmas pageant? Nutcracker Ballet, 100%. 100. As a child, Siri, what did you want most for Christmas? Always an art kit, like those things of 100 pencils. Wow. Cool. Sammy? Anything that got released in terms of technology. Ah, uh, good to know. Okay, Sammy, if Elf on the Shelf <laughs> weren't famous <laughs> would you have him over to your home for dinner i would yes i how would about, how about you siri would you no <laughs> too show. much mischief no <laughs> well sam likes the unpredictability of life so you know that fits oh okay. my goodness okay stand by siri have you ever met a fruitcake you liked yes homemade mm, good girl Sammy? Have you I've, ever met a fruitcake you liked? I have never met one in person, no. And I don't think I would enjoy it. Okay. But the operative answer would have been, yes, you. Number 10. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10, last question for both of you, starting with you, Sammy. Do you believe in Santa? I do. And how about you, Siri? Are you a Santa believer? Of course. Yay! That makes four of us. Excellent. Okay. I feel much better. I feel a little vindicated now. And now the audience knows Siri and Sam. And I think I'm ready to submit. Are you ready? Okay. Take a deep breath. It's all going to be okay. Know that we love you. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. I have to stop saying Siri so much because whenever I do my <laughs> iPhone response. Yeah, it's a common problem. Yeah, yes, it is. Yes. For a multitude right. of people. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to go. The, the um, Sammy and Siri uh, very kindly sent over some questions. So I'm going to go ahead and just read, go back and forth, toggle back and forth and read their questions. And then you know, we'll talk and you'll answer and we'll we'll do some coffee talk. Are we ready? Okay. All right. I'm ready. Yeah. So we're going to start with one of Siri's questions. The work we do doesn't seem to fit neatly in um, event planning or a talent agency. And as she pointed out, we often get confused calls from actors as well as musicians. I'm going to throw in. Can you get me into the movies? Can you secure me into the blue, you know, uh, House of Blues venue, things like that. Mm-hmm. So. What brought you to create a business in this niche 
And how do you feel it fits in the ecosystem of both the event and entertainment industries? Well, I would say we fit squarely in the middle of that ecosystem because we do uh, merge the two uh, worlds, if you will. And it's easier today than it was when I started the business in 94. Uh, and I started it because uh, it was really what I knew and 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 where my path took me. I got a degree, as you know, from Syracuse in musical theater, but I was too frightened to go to New York with all of my you know, cohort friends who decided to land there. I went back home to Miami and started working retail and for a minute thought, I'll just do that. And then I met somebody who led me to uh, a group called Xanadu with a Z. <laughs> and it was a, uh, a, a basically a, a dance company. And then it became a, a song and dance company that performed at events and in the Southern, in the South Florida area. And uh, the people who own that were tied in with a DMC and they started to sell the show to corporate. And that meant that we would be traveling around the world doing the show in the late 80s. And so it really was where my career led me. And I saw in doing that, that there was a real lack of knowledge and understanding. As I was learning the business myself, I could see that what I was bringing to it was a theatrical approach. And other people really weren't. You know, for example, when we first started to perform, and I think I've shared this story before, we performed on a dance floor, not on a stage. We didn't have any lighting to speak of there was no theatrical lighting in the event the sound was usually provided by a dj back in those days and the need for microphones to in the performance was minimal because you know the the, the technology that wasn't there for us in this you know world and that started to collide more and more and yet people weren't bringing the theatrical approach you know, the idea that you uh, create some surprise and you uh, you bring artists in if you're doing a stage show from the wings, not from, you know, the room so that the, the surprise or the, or the performance is, you know, devaluated in some way because people see them walking to the stage. You know, all of that stuff mm -hmm. that we learn in theater nobody was applying so I felt like there was an opportunity to do that and then when I started to manage entertainment with another job that I had which actually brought me to to San Diego uh, to actually develop entertainment and uh, a department and develop a roster of entertainment and and develop protocols to work with those entertainers uh again, saw that there were huge gaps in service, like the idea that agents in the day were sort of those hard-nosed old white guys, you know, <laughs> that never, you know, this is the deal, this is the price, you know, surely doesn't drink on stage, you know, all this, you know, very, <laughs> uh, it was, there was nobody really servicing the client. Everybody, the, the agents, as is their job, were representing the artist, but nobody was representing the client. Nobody was listening to the client and understanding what the client wanted to do, what their idea was, their goals or objectives, and then working the entertainment around that. So I thought again, huh, there's a way that we could, you know, make this work and do something that nobody else is doing. So that the fact that we spot our events that wasn't something that the agents did. They wrote the contract. You made the payment. You sent them the check. They sent the artist. They called the artist afterward and made sure everything went well. If there was a problem, you had to call the agent and the agent had to get involved. We send someone and to sit, to be there for the setup for that reason. So that, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little extra service and it also protects everyone because now somebody from our team is there to ensure the handoff goes as smoothly as we intend it to go. And if there are hiccups to step in and smooth them over quickly, uh, that's why we do that. So it, it all kind of grew from what I felt I could bring to 
this business based on the training I had. And back in that day, back when I came into the business, which was like 1980, I want to say it was 85, 86. I graduated in 84. There were very few thespians coming to the event <laughs> side. You know, they there were very few of us. Now there are so many more of us. You know, case in point. <laughs> well, I'm because looking, they have a at, means to get into it now. Yeah. They right. It's they a have balada. Well, thank you. <laughs> and an industry that supports it. And even mm-hmm. the the uh, the agents in in L.A. You know, the ICMs, the the William Morris Endeavors, the CAAs. Uh, they at when I came into this business, they didn't deal with us. They wanted nothing to do with us because. We didn't give them value as an agent. It's a one-off. And that's what they used to call them, one-offs, because basically what it meant for them was a big paycheck, as much as they could get for their artist, one time. Whereas when an artist is in a film, there's a big payday, usually. You know, We know how that range fluctuates, <laughs> yes. but there can be. When an artist is in a television series, there's continual payouts. So uh, it's a one-off. And it's and and in the day, it wasn't thought to be very, uh, you know, very lucrative. So yeah, nobody not, was not necessarily worth their time. Correct. And it wasn't till the mid to late 90s that agencies actually started to form corporate departments and actually put together rosters. There's two reasons. One is obviously there's a, you know, there's business out there because at the time companies were starting to, you know, hire celebrities to do these one night performances. And they also have a roster of talent on the other side of the coin that is no longer making albums, that is no longer touring and, you know, selling out the, you know, 50,000 seat arenas. And those people don't go work at Starbucks or Ralph's, you know, they're musicians, they're artists, they, they still want to play music and perform. And so this whole corporate entity, this whole, you know, one nighter special event booking grew into its own little cottage industry if you will for that reason there were artists that wanted to make money and there were tons of people on this end having events and corporate parties and incentives that wanted the talent anthony this brings um naturally flows into a great question by sam as long as we're talking about this why is a headliner contract different than there our standard live event contract oh because uh, well, first of all, Vol, our, our standard contract is uh, approved by the Labor Commissioner of San Diego, and that contract has been written to protect the artists that we work with on a routine basis. Headliners require more liability, more rider uh, fulfillment, uh, higher payouts, and they also each have their own contract that's been written by their agency and when we work with them their contract supersedes ours we must sign their contract and in so doing we have to make sure that we're protecting ourselves and our clients by make making sure that our clon- our contracts uh mirror theirs their terms are the terms that we put in our terms and conditions so that we are mirroring the ones that we are held liable for. So if, for example, we didn't do that and there was an issue with, say, a force majeure, we are able to handle that differently with a local artist than we are with a headliner. And so that that particular clause for example, is different for that reason. We must follow their force majeure, which is to say that if they are ready, willing, and able to go on and the force majeure happens, they are paid in full, which is So if we were to get a headliner, say client comes to us and says, I want this headliner. We get them that headliner. We sign our headliner contract then we 
we take what their thing is and put it in our contract to the client? Yeah, our our headliner contract already includes a lot of that verbiage because we've done this so many times we know what that is. So that's why the second page of that contract is different than the second page of the standard artist contract. Yes. Okay. So it's like English, th- English translation. <laughs> pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. And are, do we tweak it? Yes. Um, from here every, Yes. Every contract, right. As we know, that's sort of the, <laughs> the bear that we deal with is that every contract is custom because everybody's doing things a little differently. Right. So yes, it is tweaked. There are typically uh, concessions that the artist will give. So those all have to be included. You know, if, if we ask for them, of course, mm-hmm. and they're they're approved, uh, those things have to be put in. Uh, all the writer has to be put in. So yes, it is definitely tweaked, and each writer is different. For example, right, a writer for Colby Kalea is not the same writer for a Kelly Clarkson, right? It's very different. So, yeah, definitely tweaked. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Any follow up, Sam? Or that answer no, your question? <laughs> it does answer my question. We deal with it every single day. Like I said before, it is the unpredictability of every client and every artist. There's so many requirements. And like Anthony mentioned, every writer is different and we kind of have to abide by what the artist or the headliner requests. Okay. Yes. I haven't had the pleasure of doing a headliner contract, but every time that I go through all of our different contract outlines, it looks so different. And I have to remind myself it's the same process, just a different contract. Right, right. You need to make sure everyone knows what everyone else is going to be doing. You have it in writing. And you know, if go ahead. I was going to say, I just, I think too, when you put the word headliner, there it becomes daunting and you know oh, i think yeah, it's, it's a little scary. bit of a psychological you know <laughs> yes. effect on it it's a headliner contract it's like now you're dealing with the president <laughs> no the president of artists yes you know i will say that i still, i remember i that get that feeling in my gut too when i had to you know approach a headliner on site or give them direction and you know what i've come to realize is that it's still a business and at the end of the day, everybody still wants to do their best work. And that's usually what it's about, headliner included. You know, everybody has a, a part to play and uh, everybody's just trying to do their best job. And that includes their agent as well as us. Mm-hmm. You know, we sometimes uh, think that, oh, the agent is really close with the artist and they could get us what we need. But no, it's a business. And the artist is looking to the agent to get them the absolute best offer that agent can get. And so when you go to an agent and you try to undercut an artist, say an artist is 100, and you you say to the agent, well, you know what, we we only have 50, let's offer 50. And And the agent says, no, I can't bring that offer. It's too low. There's a reason. The artist expects a higher offer. And unless, you know, that agent isn't able, you know, unless there's some history and the agent is bringing offers to that artist at a hundred and, and, or, or not able to bring offers, excuse me, at a hundred, because nobody wants to offer that much. Nobody wants to buy until that discussion is had. And the agent can talk the artist into maybe coming down a $50,000 offer for a hundred thousand dollar act is just not going to cut it because the Mm -hmm. agent is on the line just as we are just as our client is to their boss you know it's nobody's nobody's running rogue here it still scares me and i've been with the company for eight years (laughs) of course (laughs) boo boo i know i'm a wimp what can i say so from siri When it comes to curating a proposal for the client, occasionally you will alter pricing, always downwards, to fit into the client's budget. Is there a particular logic for you to determine making these exceptions? Yes, yes. Relationship, number one. Uh, Either we're trying to build a relationship or we have a really solid relationship with someone and the need is there. Uh, And uh, also... There are 
there are clients that are in the same business that we're in. So if we're dealing with a partner that is hosting something and trying to show off their best work in the hopes of getting a long-term really uh, super lucrative client, then we would play and also bring down our pricing to, you know, play with them and see if we can't make that work together. We do it in the name of partnership. And we hope that when we do it, we'll see the return. We don't always see the return. Uh, and in the 30 years that I've almost in the 30, almost at 30 years that I've been in business myself, um, you learn, you know, you sort of get a feel for when it's going to be profitable and lucrative and when it's not based on you know, the relationship and how people so treat So when you. you're building those relationships, then are you approaching the relationship saying like, okay, this is going to be a standard relationship. And then you see that it might develop into something deeper. So you decide, oh, we can make this exception to work with them and build that relationship further. Or is it only for folks who you've already had that established relationship with? No, I think it goes both ways. I think it's about evaluating it on a case by case and listening to the client, you know, really getting a feel for the after the conversation, you get an idea of hopefully, you know, where where people are going and what their intentions are. And then you make that decision. So, you know, we have a standard. We, too, have to be careful because we can't dip so low that we ask our artists to take a hit. Uh, because that's not really what we're in business for. And that's not what our contracts allow us to do. So whenever we do that, we have to be really cognizant that it's, it's us that are going to be making less. Um, If the artist is going to be included in on the, on the long-term business, then my feeling is it's okay to ask them for a break because there's payout for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we have to be really careful about that because is the business mm-hmm. for Bellata or is it for Bellata and this artist that we're bringing along or these artists that we're bringing along? You know, what is the case? Yeah. Does it also help build their relationship? With right. Right. The end right. client. Perfect. Right. Which, which is the case we just had with something we just did together. Whereas we didn't ask the client, we didn't ask the artist to uh, bring down their price because and we did bring down the price of the client because ex- of exactly that. There's a long-term partnership there, and they're not really a they're not really in the business of planning meetings. You know, they're in the business of helping us get more business, mm-hmm. and they do help us quite a bit. Um, they do send us leads, and they do uh, try to work with us. And whenever I try to engage. With, and we're talking about the San Diego Tourism Authority. Whenever I call and try to engage with them, they respond. So, uh, yeah, it's a relationship we want to keep uh, forging and, you know, pushing forward. Awesome. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's move on. Sam has, and, and we've talked about this on the show, so I, I'm glad he's asking this question. In today's world where labor is scarce, how do you manage and delegate the people you have? And what do you foresee in the event world moving forward? Well, I always think I could do a better job of managing the people that work for me. I think D'Angelo does a really good job because he's there and uh, he, you know, helps with all of the nitty gritty in the day to day. But I think what we have is freedom in our office and we're uh, a team. And uh, I I think having an environment where people feel empowered to make decisions and like what they're doing matters. And, you know, they're just not spitting out paperwork, but they get to be involved in, you know, some of the fun stuff. I think that's all important. It's setting it's setting a culture. And I think that is more important than anything today. And I think it's also about, um, you know, I, I, I can't say, oh, everybody here makes a ton of money because that would be a complete lie. 
but um, <laughs> but we try to beat the average, and I think we we do a pretty good job of that. And then whenever there's an opportunity to share, I think that's important too. And sometimes it's a surprise, and sometimes it's um, you know something that we plan together. But I think that's all important, and I hope it helps, and I hope it works. Uh, and I hope that if there's an issue, somebody will come to me before letting it stew and, you know, just. That is the benefit of it being a very, we we are a small but mighty team. And it is nice knowing that, you know, if I need something from you or Alex or Sam or D'Angelo, I can just immediately say, hey, I have a question or hey, I got COVID and I can't do these things. Can mm-hmm. you help me cover my workload? And I think that, that what, what, what I love most about the team and what I feel is most important is that you're all vested because you're all um, passionate about what you do and you want to do the best job. And that to me is, that's the blessing. You could hire people, but you can't hire people who care. You know, you you have to invest and 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 give give for people to care. It's not just one way. And so, I hope that I am the kind of boss that you want to care about. And if you ever feel like there's an issue there, then I hope you'll talk to me uh, because. I have turned down job offers because I'm like, well, the company I'm with right now is very good and very tight knit and you have to pay me a lot of money to make it. Yes, yes. I I also second what Siri said. We are a very small team, but we do handle a lot of business. And I think the fact that everyone knows their own responsibility and everything, everyone knows what they need to do, but everyone is intertwined with the other. So if I'm working on something, D'Angelo, Siri, everyone knows what I'm working on. And if every status, everything that happens as it progresses, the entire team knows about it, but one person is working on it. But just having that awareness where if anything does happen, like, you know, Siri got COVID or I couldn't do anything or anyone couldn't just, you know, continue their task, someone else can easily just pick it up and just move on with it. And I think it's not only a matter of team, it's also a matter of since I've started here, almost when I interned back in 2012, it's the same system and that system works and that system, anyone can come in, learn it and just move on with it. So it doesn't really require anyone to, you know, learn and, 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 and kind of, you know, um, going back to being passionate. Yes, it does matter about having a system where it just works seamlessly makes it easier for everyone from the, you know, the higher management all the way down, also going to the client, also going to the artist, everything is out in the open and everyone knows what they need to do. So we do that try makes to it make easy. it pretty user-friendly because I, for those who are just meeting me on the podcast, I started in July. So I'm coming up mm-hmm. on about six months with Balada and in August, I felt like I more or less had it down. I definitely had questions where I would run over to Sam and be, what am I doing? What am I doing? Or run over to D'Angelo and just sit in his office and show him my notes and say, I don't understand what I just did. Can you please explain it to me? But the system, you can always fall back on the system. There's a process and a way of doing things. And if you have questions, the process will answer it. Uh, thank you for that. I may have developed it, but D'Angelo has really def- refined it and made sure that it's followed. And so I just want to make sure that he gets the credit for that because uh, he's, you know, he's really uh, on top of that game. And I'd also like to give this, that everyone on this team credit because it's not only the office, but it's when you're on site with people, uh, the fact that you can handle your jobs with calm and with a plum and uh you know it's worth its weight in gold on site you know when we're in the middle of frenzy and we're able to be the calm in the frenzy uh, and everyone on this team possesses that so that's great yeah i do want to add to that because when i was on site uh in the summer early. Yeah. It was in the summer. 
and an artist forgot to bring something and it had to go across the bridge at oh. peak traffic, peak rush hour to get that thing so we could make the, the event happen. And I was very calm about it and then came and then there was an issue with what he, the app that he went and got and we had to adjust and we made it all happen. And he came up to me and he goes, you guys are always so calm when things happen. I would be freaking out if I were you. How are you calm? <laughs> I'm like, well, because that's our job. If I start freaking out, it's not going to help. Anything. And everyone freaks out if we freak out. Right. We're but the, when, we're the you know, calm type. Exactly. And then when you go home or when you walk around the corner and you mouth expletives, but you do it where <laughs> nobody can see. And you know, you do. You remain because there's no point. There's no point in not being calm, even though you don't feel it. Right. Inside, inside well, so you're the, dying. the canary in the coal mine. If you're at an yeah. event and Anthony's panicking, something must be very, very, very wrong. Right, right. The the building is burning down. Right. <laughs> Run for your lives. Right, because I'm not I I'm not usually panicking on site if I can help it. But you know, it also goes just above the the calm. It is also about up being upbeat. And that is also something that you all bring. I, I can still hear Siri when we were working on Latitude. Uh, Siri and Sam were backstage with us. And uh, it's not an easy job. It's It runs like clockwork. And, you know, it's got to be really efficient. And, you know, they might be in the middle of one task. And I would say, Siri, I need you to. And this would be the response. Okay. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> like, I can't. I'm blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. That <laughs> was like an angel singing to me, you know, every time I hear that. Okay. Because it says to me, I don't have to worry another moment about that. Oh. So, and I don't, <laughs> and I don't. So again, kudos to you. Next question. Next. Okay. Cause this is a follow-up then from Sam, because I know part of what that other question wasn't, wasn't just for us. It was also delegating, you know, when we're doing a big event. So with your, what is your thought process going into a big event like NARA with respect to managing everyone and having everything ready? Okay. My thought process is I need to be on top of everything so that when people come and ask me things, I can spurt off the answer. That's usually my, my thought process. How So I'm running the show and I'm running the schedule through my head numerous times, you know, so, cause if I can say, no, that's a two o'clock in there, then we're not wasting time because that's mostly what happens on site. Everybody of course will get the schedule and every will debrief and that's part of it. But what's really going through my mind is I need to be together so that I can keep everyone else together and on the same page uh, because I know it's going to be exhausting and I know it's going to be long days. And I, I can't say that I'm looking forward to that quite honestly. I'm not like, Woohoo, I'm going to get up at six or five 30 and I'm yes. going to work until 11. That's not me, but, um, but being prepared is, you know, going in and knowing mm -hmm. what's ahead of us and being a step ahead. You always have to be a step ahead of everyone else knowing what's coming next. And that's what I do. That's what I think about and prepare. I think in small events and in big events, it's always, that's the job of an event planner or anyone in that event ecosystem is that you always have to be that plus one thinking of something that could happen or might happen and just have a contingency plan should and hopefully never. Well, I think what we've all learned is that something will oh, yeah. happen oh, yeah. and it, it won't be a catastrophe, but it will be something that we didn't plan on. Mm -hmm. And the more, I think everybody knows this, the more organized and ready you are mm -hmm. when you go in, the more able you are to deal with those kinds of requests that come in. And so um, that's part of the game. You know, you, you all know if you don't go in prepared and then something comes up, you just feel, you can feel your shoulders mm -hmm. rise up, right. in the stress, like I have all these other things I haven't done. And now, you know, it's just, so that's what it's about being as prepared as I can. It's hard when the client isn't prepared, but in, as we all know, and that's, the client isn't always prepared. And that's part of our job too, is to try to inch them there and get them prepared and, and make sure they understand what the needs are, but they're not always with us. And so mm -hmm. that that is also another thing that can cause some stress for us because 
we want the best for them and we want them to showcase the best. And we also don't want to be on the receiving end of any blame if something doesn't go well. Right? Mm, we will, right. you know, oh, yeah. and the show's on, under our control, yes. right? So yeah, there is well, that piece. With respect to that, then kind of going back to dealing with scarcity and labor, how has, how ha, have you well, changed how you do any, how you do things? Well, um, this in 2022, we were on the labor call and we made our calls sooner. We weren't able to confirm them as quickly as we wanted to. And they did change, but we did secure the labor early with a deposit and made sure that we had the teams that we need. And we will continue to do that. Uh, we also try to stick with the same providers of mm -hmm. labor. Uh, and I think... Um, that helps. You know, by the way, Jay Sheehan from SDSU uh, shared with me the other day that he has put together a labor force of SDSU students and grads that we might look to for our next needs, Sammy. Oh, nice. Uh, be because those are kids that are theater focused and are technology focused, and they would want to come on site and learn uh, you know, whereas the hands that we'll get from a labor company, some of them are experienced. are experienced and have skills. Most of them do not. And some of them have great work ethic. Some of them do not. And so it becomes about, you know, having to manage those people early is better to mm -hmm. uh, to request them and deposit them so that you have the best people. It's always going to be about that. Now mm -hmm. you want yes. the best people. It's early. Yeah. Yeah. early. I think also we have really good people that we've been working with for a lot of years. And I think those people we can always fall back to. And it's the same as having our mighty team. We also have vendors and suppliers. We can always call and say, Hey, we need this. They've worked with us. They know who we are. They know how we do things. And it makes our life and their lives a whole lot easier. Yeah, we're not, we don't jump from, from team to team to team. Mm -hmm. We're the, we, we like to, you know, acquire a team and stick with it. And Sammy couldn't have said it better myself. Mm -hmm. We have Rick Mitleider and we have David Epolito, David with MPG and Rick is an independent, our independent uh, TD. And they're as passionate as, as everyone on this call about doing the right job. And they're, uh, you know, they support us and they they help us to make it work. And I wouldn't dream of not calling them first. Just it doesn't it just, you know, once you have a team, it's like a barber, it's a barber yeah. for life. Yes, exactly. You know, if you, you know, know, it works. You know, it works. <laughs> right. good. And yeah. It doesn't mean there's not going to be issues. Uh, Rick and I have had issues. We've had disagreements. We don't always agree. And he's an emotional guy and I'm an emotional guy. And, but we, you know, we talk and we get through it. And, but we understand that at the end of the day, we both want the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're both working yeah. for the same thing. Um, so it's important, I think, to develop a team. I think it's going to be more important than ever for people to do that and work with their teams and not bounce around so much. Uh, but that works for us. And um, yeah, it helps loyalty us is important. Deal. You know, loyalty is important, not just for the sake of loyalty, but for the sake of the job. And lo and yes. loyalty is scarce. Yes. And I also believe that, you know what, if it's going to take a few hundred dollars to feed people who otherwise are being ignored, then we're going to do it. You know, if it's going to cost us a few hundred dollars to park people on a show like that, then we're going to do it because at the end of the day, making it as easy as possible is important. This year we had a job and everyone had to stay off property and it cost us all a lot of angst because they're long days. And the last thing I want is a crew that comes in and, you know, spent 45 minutes getting somewhere it should have taken them five minutes to get to, right. you know, that's, mm. that's a concern, right? It's a little details that make everyone happy. 
-hmm. and eventually the outcome, you know, as we want it. Yes. You know, so if we're going to provide candy, we're going to provide candy backstage. <laughs> Makes people smile. Please never again, because that candy came to the office and I have we an issue with it. We still have it in the office. <laughs> yes. And I have an issue with it. So does my wife, because I'm eating everything. Just say no, Sammy. <laughs> Easier said We'll hide the candy. So we've been, we've been talking about, um, you know, being calm and collect and how you are uh, famous for that. And, and you are, I've, I've worked with you many, many times. Um, when a client is, this is from Siri, when a client isn't happy with the work, what are the steps you would recommend to remedy or repair the situation for folks in the event industry? You have to address the problem head on. If somebody isn't happy with the experience, then you have to have a conversation about it. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a tough spot because first I'll say what we do is so subjective, right? And so it really, I, I made some rules about this early on because I felt like I needed to. If the complaint is valid, Absolutely, we have to do something 100%. Mm. We will find a way to make that client happy. For example, if the artist doesn't show up or shows up late or isn't prepared or smells like pot, God forbid, um, or any of those things that we have to deal with, then yeah, we have to make that right in the eyes of the client because we represent the talent. And however they show up on site, reflects on us. So mm. yes, that means we have to make it right and we will do what we need to, what's appropriate, what they feel is appropriate. Uh, if it's something that's arguable, like they didn't play the songs I wanted them to play, or um, they played songs that our crowd didn't know, or I didn't like the way it sounded, or you know, something that's so subjective that wasn't really worked out in advance. You know, we didn't get a list, for example, of songs that they wanted played or, you know, they just didn't like the style or maybe they felt there was a little bit of um, slowness in the energy. That kind of thing is really hard to validate. And mm -hmm. so while we will work with the client and try to make them happy, because not everybody's right, but I think at the end of the day, it's about it's about nurturing relationships, right? And I'd rather be on the giving end of that than the losing end, meaning mm. I'd rather give more and lose out in the end than lose out because I didn't give enough. So uh, I just think it's about preserving the relationship. So if the reason is valid, absolutely 100%, we will make something happen. What that is will depend on what we negotiate with the client. If it mm -hmm. isn't a valid thing, then we'll work to smooth it over and maybe give a little something back if we feel it will help to do that, but um, maybe not. And I, I've seen you. I've seen there are times when I maybe the Greek and the Sicilian come out in me and I think, ah, and you are just, nope, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it right, blah, blah, blah. And you, I have watched you over the eight years I've been here go above and beyond to, it was true. It's, it's admirable um, with the client and not just with the client, but with the artist as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that I do, you know, we we all, all all of us at Bellata take responsibility. We all know how to say, I'm sorry, I goofed, you know, I'll make it right. And that I appreciate a thousand percent. And I can understand when people make mistakes, right? But if an artist is unwilling to accept responsibility, hmm. then I have to cut off the relationship hmm. because then I feel like you're just being unreasonable when you contributed to the issue or in fact are the issue, then I think that you need to take some responsibility. And those who do are still on our roster and those who don't, we just free them up to go work somewhere else. We had an artist walk in. This is shortly after I started working and he, 
He had made a mistake. Only sent one stilt walker instead of two. Walked into the office on Monday morning with tears in his eyes and said, do not pay me. This is my fault. Mea culpa. Do not pay me. And you did. You paid him like, no, we're going to pay you. Of course. And, you know, let's. And so it it for it. We put a process in place because of that. We learned from it. We moved on. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I thought, wow, that was that took a lot of guts for him to walk into the office. And say, my fault, 100 percent. Don't pay me. It's a learning curve for everyone in mm-hmm. the office and for the artists. Right. We all learn like, oh, this happened. How can this not happen again? It's not like, let's just leave it for chance. This happened. Let's not do this again. And how can you? Yeah. It? What are our safeguards for next time? Exactly. Right. But the fact that the artist came in and, and was so apologetic. That's really what we want. We just mm-hmm. want somebody who takes responsibility and is willing to help us make it right. Because that's where we stand now. We're in the middle and we have to make it right. And, you know, we just want someone to you know be there with us. Exactly. Especially because, because look at when it's our error, it's our error. And the, and the artist is not asked to participate. But if it's the artist's error, then it's my feeling they need to accept responsibility. And when they don't, that's when, mm-hmm. yeah. And taking responsibility also shows that you take pride in your own work, that they are coming here and saying that I want to provide my best work possible. And yes. I did not do something that I am proud of. And I would like to fix it for myself as well as on behalf of the client and the agency. Yes. And that's exactly the kind of person that we want to work with, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're setting them free to do their work once we leave the venue and we have to rely on them to do their best work and want to do their best work. So yes, absolutely. I think also our legacy precedes us people know how we do things and all the artists that work with us know our standards and we do not lower them whatsoever we mm-hmm. follow them down to a t so they are up to that standards so everyone we alex hires and talks to and gives the whole you know the whole nine yards of this is how we do things this is how we operate this is what we expect from you this is what you can expect from us i think it makes it a whole lot easier when someone makes a mistake it falls under one of those you know, rules and regulations. So having that conversation and saying, you know, I messed up, I apologize. It's okay. Then, you know, we make it right from our end with the client, but it just fosters again, good relationships moving you know, forward. And it's my belief that the really professional artists in town appreciate that. Oh yes. They appreciate the communication. They appreciate being put on hold they appreciate being taken off hold when something doesn't go through, you know, all of that is, is important to them. And, you know, we, the other thing that we, we do and have always done from the very beginning is we don't say to artists, well, you know, if you're not just available for me, then I can't work with you or, well, you know, uh, you know, you could book with those people, but then, you know, you can't work with us. We don't do that. We want our artists to work. And so our processes are also, uh, they're also in place to help them to, to, to plan their own careers, right? If we get, if we, if we get a request, we'll ask for a hold. If it falls through, we'll release them as soon as we can. Uh, we, uh, if they call us in the meantime and they have something on the table that's already a, a client ready to go, we'll get, you know, we'll get them on our contract or off so they can, they can get take that other one. You know, all of that is is in place so that we can have these relationships and we don't feel at the end of the day, if we decide not to work with an artist guilty about it, we feel like Mm -hmm. this is what has to happen because we're treating them with respect and and as a partner, you know, not as, not as an expendable product that we can easily replace. That's not how we treat them. We're in the service industry. We're people to people. That's, that's how it is. Something a little even more lighthearted, if you're okay. if you're up to it. Okay. Let's Are you it. up to it? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. I'm sure everybody wants to feel lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, I mean, 
I, I really want to get to all those other questions, but I know that, you know, you have to be somewhere and, and, uh, I have an the appointment. The listeners need to take yeah. cookies out of the oven. <laughs> yes, and like send that. them to 2729. <laughs> in the past year or so, you haven't been around in the office as much, right? You've been a busy bee traveling for events. We all know that you have very keen observational skills. So we thought it would be fun to test those skills. Okay. okay. Again, okay. with my uh oh. <laughs> oh my so, God. gonna ask you a few questions about your NCC, uh, how your observational skills are holding right. up. Are you ready? I, I think so. Okay. Uh, I think I'm ready. Okay. And, uh, this is where I get stumped. Here we go. <laughs> you know, I've known you a long time. If I could just once in my life stump you, it would, it would. Oh, it's gonna happen right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> how many appearances? Did Santa Claus make this year for Bolada Entertainment? How many has he made or how mm -hmm. many will he make? At the By the, the time the season is over. Santa Claus. Santa many... Claus. Yes. Oh, my gosh. If I'm going to take a stab and say 15. Okay. You are wrong, but... <laughs> I'm going to give you a pass on it because the number is 14. Oh, oh I wow. said 14. Oh, wow. Okay. I, okay. All right. So I don't get to count that as something. Wait, you. wait, I wait, just wait. You mean the one that we booked for is not happening? <laughs> nice try. <laughs> nice try, Mr. Bolada. <laughs> and I almost fell for it too. <laughs> that was Quit. very good. Get Santa to just come to the office. We'll get exactly. that 15th appearance. Dang it. That's we got you know what? If we get Santa on the podcast, you know, then we can count that 15. Or All if right. we add one before the end yes. of the season. You know what? Santa, if you're listening. That's right. Santa. That's one wish. You know what I want for Christmas? Exactly. That's one wish. Okay. All right. How many antlers did we ship for the Kaleidoscope View event? Oh, my Lord. 200. Oh, no, I get to stump you on this one. 377. Oh, dang. That's a lot of antlers. <laughs> that's a that's, lot of antlers. That's a lot of antlers out there. A lot of sets of reindeer. 377 oh. antlers. Yeah, those people, they love them. They're very, they're beautiful antlers. So somewhere in LA County? Uh, some Chicago. of them are in Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. Okay. So around the country, there are people donning our antlers, antlers that came from our office. Yes. Thank you very much. Don't be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Got to bling your reindeer. Okay. That's right. What celebrity lookalikes showed up for Doreen Collier's event show production event at Huntress? Elton I'm going to give you a hint. Yes. I think I know these. Elton okay. John, uh -huh. Marilyn Monroe. Yes. And Tom Cruise. No, wait, not Tom Cruise. Not Tom Cruise. It was Elvis. Yes. Yes. Elvis. Nice. She, she was interested in Tom Cruise, I think, for a moment. Okay. Very, yes! very good. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, so, yes. so far, you're, you're doing great. All right. What song did local San Diego drag artist Strawberry Corn Cakes perform at a general session opener this year? I think I know this one. I want to say Proud Mary. No. I don't even think I know this one. And I have the contract. Oh, I thought it was proud. Okay. I don't think it's wait a minute. Right. At a at a oh this was for Jill. Or was this another one? Was this for Jill Hammond? I don't think no? so. No, this was for remember. this was for another one. Okay. No, I don't I don't um let me think one more. Let me let me just take one more stab. Um the national anthem no no <laughs> no but that would have been good when love takes over when love takes over uh, yeah no, i would never have guessed that okay i think you're gonna know the answer to this next one though okay i do i think you're gonna know who was our top booking holiday caroling group 
that has to be the holiday hipsters. We've had this on the, we've had them on this program and we love them. Holiday hipsters. They are fabulous. They're doing a bunch of events for me right now. And I'm super, I I, I love them. I love them to pieces. Yay. So this wasn't for a traditional event. It was for your birthday party. And we had the infamous Ike Herschel. Ike Herschel. Ike Herschel. Herschel. Sorry. I know this character very well. He has a particularly colored tweed suit. What is the color of that tweed suit? Oh my lord! I I want to say it's lime green, but I don't think it is. It's is it fuchsia? No, but you're in the a better vein. Is it red? It wasn't red. It was a pink. No, no it was mm-hmm. it, it was pink. It's pink. Yeah. Okay. I Herschel's very famous. The lighting was was different. Yeah. So maybe yeah. okay, thank we'll, we'll blame okay. it on the lighting. Yeah. Thank you. You that. you are uh you are much nicer than I am, Siri. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not sucking up. <laughs> <laughs> she says, holding her fingers crossed. Um, yeah. out of the our 31 Liberty military housing contracts this past year, how many incorporated characters? Never before used for LMH because we use a ton of characters for them. 31 contracts with LMH. First of all, mm-hmm. thank you, Lincoln Military Housing, for that. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy Farless. Thank you. Uh, uh, how many were characters we hadn't done before? New mm-hmm. characters for us. Now I'm going to give you a little hint. With Liberty, uh, Liberty Military, we do a character. We it's do Lincoln, one it's proposal. Lincoln military. It's no Liberty. It's Liberty. Oh, they They've changed. changed. Yes. Yeah, it's Liberty. Let me oh. just say then. Thank you. Liberty. That's a new name. Yes. They military. are Liberty oh, nice. military. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Liberty. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well. I'll just say yes. Liberty <laughs> military housing. Okay. That's why I just, I just keep saying LMH. Um, so we'll take one proposal but that proposal will span for five events, say. So it, it's five different contracts. But I'm including all the contracts. So how many events incorporated a new, never-before-used character for LMH? Okay. So can I just confirm that what you're saying is that if that character did five events, then you're counting that as five? I am, because they're five separate contracts. Okay. So I'm going to say 31 events. 20. No, but you're close. It's 17. Oh. Every so number you good. have just rounded down one. And you're well, this was three, but you know, yeah, this was three, okay. but I was <laughs> going to start with, I was going to say 15, but then I thought, mm, I'm going to go to 20 to see what happens. Okay. 17. And it got a little confused because one of those, we added two more. We added oh. two more events on. So you would oh. have been almost right at 15. Oh. And this is a follow-up to that. There was one new character that was used the most. How many times was that particular character used? 10. Seven. Okay. My numbers are just off. And you get bonus points. Well, I was going to say, you get bonus points if you can name the character. I vaguely remember this happening. I vaguely uh, wait. Do, do, do. I can't. I I'm I'm stumped. It's a character in the style. It's important that I say it in the style of Loki variant. And our artist Tim was the Loki magician. Okay, that explains why I didn't know. Loki is in Marvel. Loki. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was in the style of that. Yes. Yeah. So it was fun. Really into the Norse gods. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, military kids, you know. Yeah. Norse gods. That's what I have for you. Those are my stump questions. Oh, okay. Well, that was fun. You did did pretty well. I got to say, I'm I'm actually very, very, very impressed that you were paying attention to your emails. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> sending pictures is this costume okay um yeah so i uh i 
think is that, that all we, the questions that that's I answer it. everything you oh. of, of the stump stumpalicious questions yes okay so yeah. are we uh do we need to do this again do we need to wrap up and say merry christmas and and sing out our our you know sing our loadout what am i trying to say here <laughs> <laughs> that's I don't know. or do we just uh say goodbye and uh we'll see you at the office i don't know what's next merry christmas happy new year um enjoy happy the hanukkah. holiday happy hanukkah happy kwanzaa happy oh. holidays and here you go here's what i'll end with you'll have a little something extra on friday in your little paychecks oh. so thank, oh. you. thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you and Merry Christmas to you all. And I will see you at the party. Yes. Yes, you will. Yes. Hey, thank you for listening to Volatified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolada.com backslash podcast. Volatified is a production of Bolada Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolada. Stay engaging. <laughs>